0: We're so glad that you joined us today for this podcast from Bishop Quentin Moore and the Father's House in Hutchinson, Kansas. God loves you and wants the best for you, and we want to hear what God is doing in your life. Share your story with us by sending an email to mystory@fathershouse.net. If you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so at fathershouse.net slash give. Just select the option that works for you. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed today's message. How many of you know Jesus
1: came so that we could see the Father as He is? That Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. That He said, I and the Father are one. That when Jesus comes incarnationally, He's enfleshed. That, That He unveils Himself of glory and puts upon Flesh, so that we could then know how God really is. That when you see Jesus, all of our misunderstandings about God, all of our misconceptions, all of our assumptions, they're stripped off. And we begin to know God as He is, because I believe that God is like Jesus. I believe that if you want to know who God is, you have to know who Jesus is, and, and not through the stream that has given you your assumptions, not through the biases of one particular flavor of the church, not through those, are you listening to me? Not through the programming of religion, but in the purity of knowing that Jesus is God and that if you see him, you've seen God. I believe that Jesus spent his entire life here on the earth trying to change our view of who the Father is. And, and so I think he tells this marvelous story, and the audience of the story are tax collectors. Now, tax collectors are scum. I mean, they are the IRS people on steroids. Okay? I have to be careful because my sister works for the IRS. They, they are tax collectors, and, and they're, they're, they're hopeless. There's never a chance. They're collecting taxes for the Romans who are occupying the Holy Land, and we're never. They're, they're, they're out. But they're listening. Have you ever known people that are written off hopeless, but they're hoping for something? I mean, if you're no good, no one cares for you. You don't have a chance, but you show up to church anyway. That's interesting. Number two, they're sinners, and they're just slightly better than tax collectors. It's not that they're hopeless, but we ain't having nothing to do with them. We're certainly not going to go where they at, because if you belong to the wrong flavor of Christianity, <laughs> right? you don't want to be seen with them. But they're there. And then there's the Pharisees. There's 7,000 of them at this moment, 7,000 of them, and and they're they're the religious police, because they really believe that if they could get everybody to stop sinning, the Messiah would come. So they take 10 laws and turn it into 614, and they're there to judge and to remove and to protect God like God needed protected. We're protecting God. You do realize that religion protects who gets close to the Holy of Holies. We got to have have protection because God is so fragile. And then we have the scribes and they're the PhDs. They're they're the smartest people. They, They know where Jesus was to be born. They just don't know who Jesus is. And then there's us, right? I mean, he's speaking, and we wrote it down, and we're telling it to one another. So the audience is a mixed bag of people. And he speaks in parables, which means, what did he mean? You'll get it. And and so he begins. A certain man had two sons. So it's a father, right? Right? So he's talking about the father. A certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to the father, Father, give me a portion of the goods that falls to me. Now the Pharisees are going nuts because no son could ask the father for anything. Because if a son would dare to ask the father for something, he's disrespectful. He's not trusting. In fact, the law says stone that one. The one that would dare ask. Aren't you glad that we have been told to ask the father for anything in Jesus' name? But, but the Pharisees at that time said that if you dared ask the father, particularly if you're not the firstborn, because the firstborn gets everything, and the second, third, and fourthborn don't get much anyway. So unless you're the firstborn, you're kind of second. class. And so the Pharisees are going, no, 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 no. There's no real father that would give He wouldn't do that. And not many days after that, the younger son gathered all together and journeyed to the far, say far, far, foreign, 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 not here, foreign, Gentile, those people that we killed when we took this land. He he went over and he joined the enemy and he wasted all the stuff that he was given. And And the Pharisees are going, he's bringing shame. And if you disrespect the father, you bring shame on the community. And we, as the Pharisees and the scribes, we are bound by the law to stone that son, to judge that son. If that son dared to do that, we have to protect the father. Because the father is being taken advantage of. God's being taken advantage of because they're demanding healing. And so we got to stone. You can't believe that. That can't be true. And so here it is right here, that the Pharisees would have been losing their mind. But I'm trying to change your perception of the Father, so I'm trying to tell you how the Father really is. So instead of the Father judging the Son, or perhaps maybe the Father's judgment of the situation, is to give the Son what he asked. Because in the beginning, instead of judging for touching the apple on the tree, instead of judging the Son for... he just gives it. Can I just suggest to you that unless the father had been merciful, he' had never had anything to waste. I mean, we could have kept the guy from wasting the stuff over there by just not giving it to him in the first place. It's what we do. We just don't give the kid the keys to the car. This father is so merciful, and so he did. He, and the Pharisees are going, "No, no, no, no. And, and he goes into a far country. He goes out and hangs out with people that he's not supposed to be with. He, he A distant land. And he spent everything, gave it all away, threw it all away. And then there arose this famine, and he began to want. Have you ever been in a need? Maybe you're like Zacchaeus, and you're a tax collector, and you're rich. You have everything, but you still haven't found? Have you ever, have you ever got everything you need... And you, and you bought everything there was, but you still aren't satisfied? Have you ever been in that place in your life to where can I just suggest to you as a human being that you can have everything, get everything, God can answer all your prayers, and you still don't know the God that answered your prayers? You're still wanting. This man, he's say, wanting. You know how many people I see in Christianity they're still wanting? They're always saying, this can't be it. This... And, and we answer it with Gnosticism. You know what Gnosticism is? Gnosticism is one of the first heresies, and that is, well, I know something you don't know. And if you knew what I knew, you wouldn't be the way you are. So I have this secret. I got something out of the jack-in-the-box, and here, let me tell you what I know, because if you knew what I knew, then you'd be better than you That's a lie, because God doesn't do that. He wants, so he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country who sent him into the fields to feed the swine, and he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, but no one gave him any. did, Did you catch that? He would have gladly filled himself with the slop that the pigs ate, but no one gave him any. You didn't. He didn't even get the slop that the pigs ate. No one would even feed him pig food. Now, just to clear this up, the Pharisees would have been losing their mind over the pig thing because Jewish people don't eat pork. And I just want to say to you, everything's better with bacon. I love (laughs) bacon. I, I mean, listen to me right now. I am so glad I've been post-Christ because I could, I, they, they would have stoned me because I would have been sneaking around having bacon because I love bacon. Anybody in here love bacon? Thank God you're all sinners. Every last one of you, if I, if I evaluate your behavior, you're sinners because you probably smoke, drink, and run with the girls that do. Because, because you see, Pharisees are more concerned about your behavior than your predicament. Are you listening to me? God doesn't care if you eat bacon. He, he, he doesn't care. He, he's, he's trying to reach your heart. And, and this kid's over there eating bacon. Pharisees are going nuts because he's eating bacon. And the truth of the matter is he, Never mind, I can't go there either. And while I'm picking on the moralism here, because you know, it's easy to, to talk about you know the sins of smoking, drinking, cussing, swearing, you know, tattoos, earrings. Thirty years ago, if you had a tattoo, you couldn't come in. I'll show you mine. I can remember that I took my shirt off. People didn't care. I took my shirt off, but they sure tweeted a lot about my tattoo. That that was a crazy thing. Oh, you're, some of you are going. You what? Yeah, cat's out. So if we're going to talk about all the stuff that we know's wrong, how about we know it's wrong, right? This is all. So if we're going to send people, if, if we know that's wrong, can I talk to you about what's right but's wrong? All of you people that are, you're working eighty hours a week, but you can't get to your kids' t-ball game. How about you yard Nazis? I eat bacon, too. You yard Nazis, you spend so much time in your yard that you haven't got time for... Or DIY. (laughs) (laughs) Or the Final Four. I'm just suggesting there's things that's all right, but taken in excess... It'll be wrong in your life. So if we're going to evaluate stuff that we know is wrong, can I talk to you about how you use stuff that you know is right, but it becomes wrong because you misuse it and it takes away. So if we're going to start judging people for bacon, let's just go the whole route. The point is, it's not the point. That's the point. Is That's not the point. Are you getting it? The point is, is that Pharisees get stuck here. And the real story is that the sun is broke and busted, and hungry, and he feels unworthy. No one no one wants to go to where he's at. He's guilty, he's cast out. There's no hope that, that, that this view of the father leaves that boy in the mess that he made. That this view of God as being judgmental leaves this young man lost, eternally damned, no way out, and Jesus is saying, I'm going to change that image of God. I've come to tell you that's not who the Father is. I've I've come to tell you that. And then we get that great line. He came to himself. He woke up out of a coma. And, and, And if you're not careful, you'll become a Puritan right here, and you'll think you woke yourself up. That's kind of like you found God. No, you didn't. Something woke you up, but you didn't wake you up something woke you up but you can't take credit for coming out of a coma because you were in a coma you didn't change your thinking when you were in the coma you were in the coma am am i making sense here religious fundamentals want to take credit like they did something in the coma you did nothing in the coma you don't get to brag about (laughs) i mean some of you are saying well i believe in miracles but i haven't had any you woke up biggest miracle is that you. And then he began, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to eat and to spare? And I perish for hunger. Good question. Good question. All of a sudden he begins to think, wait a minute, my God, my father, and the Pharisees are going, no, 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 no. The father's never going to let you back. Are you getting this? All the Pharisees and scribes are going, there's no way that the fuck, he may have given you, but he's not going to give you another chance. He may have, he, he, he did something wrong and given you the stuff in the first place, and now you've wasted it. There's no way he's going to let you back. Touch your neighbor and say, let's go back. Jesus is changing our perspective of who the father is. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your servants. And so he arose and came to his father. I love this sentence. And when he was still a great way off, the father saw him. The father was looking for his return. Did you know that if you do good to people, someday they'll recognize it even if they don't in the moment? Did you know that because the father was good to give something that really he didn't have to give, that the very gift that he gave will cause that child to wake up someday and realize how good the father is. It's not the fear of hell that brings people back. It's the promise that God will be true to who he is. And he said, my father was so good to me, I'm gonna go back. And he rose and went back. And the father was standing right there. He knew he was coming back. He knows that he's good. And he had compassion, love, pent up, fiery, radical, unending, never changing. And he ran and fell and he kissed him. And the Pharisees are losing their mind. You mean the father is running towards this smelly bacon eater that demanded something before his time? You see the father running. I want you to hear me. The Father's running at you this morning. He's running towards you, not away from you. He hasn't got his back turned until you get there and get an audience with him. He is running towards you. The minute that there's any kind of move, he, he's been expecting you to come home. The God of heaven and earth, of creation, the Alpha, the Omega, is a God that gives when he doesn't have to and is waiting to forgive when he needs to. And he runs. I want to show you a picture of the Father this morning. He's running at you and not from you. And the Pharisees say, what that really means is God never gives up. He's just waiting, standing on the porch, just waiting, the slightest movement. And he's ready, pounce, and he kisses him. You know, Jesus was betrayed by a kiss, and the Father redeems by a kiss. Oh, you didn't get it that kiss that that. he's running towards him and the son is redeemed and the Pharisees are going no 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 what only if you're a nut like me will you even know this you see there was this rule in ancient Judaism that if anything got close to the city to the boundary to the to the to the law, to the rules, to the gate, to the fence that was unclean. You remember how they would shout unclean when the leper? Anything gets close to that, the elders of the city would grab up their pots. They didn't have pots. They, they would grab up their, their clay pots, their glass dishes. And, and they would run towards the gate because if you were a slave or a, you didn't have sandals, So they would run with those pots and then throw them at the feet of the one trying to get in the city because you couldn't walk on glass. And so here's the elders running to protect who comes in. It would be this, we'll build a wall. This wall won't be tall so somebody can't climb over. We'll throw glass on the ground so that they can't walk over. And they're running to throw glass to to stop people from coming. And the Father starts running because the Father will beat them because mercy will always outrun judgment. And the Father starts running. He said, I want to show you something. The crowd may be shouting to kill them and stop them, but Jesus, the Father, will run. Are you listening? Can you see him? And he gets there and Monty Hall comes out, right? Who's the new Monty Hall? What's his name? Never mind. (laughs) Let's make a deal. I'll do this if you'll do that. And the scriptures say, but the father, big but, big but, interrupts our Monty Hall, let's make a deal. Bring me a robe bring me a ring. Bring me sandals. Isaiah sixty-one ten says, for this is the joy that he will clothe me in his salvation and put on a robe of righteousness that he knew who knew no sin became righteous, gave me his righteousness. And so he takes and he clothes, covers up that, that dirty, filthy, arrogant Boy, and covers him with righteousness that is not his own. He didn't deserve it, but God clothes us in his own righteousness. Not because of our behavior, because we smell like bacon. You're not getting it. The first thing the Father does is clothe you and make you right, embraces you. Then he puts a ring on your finger, and that ring is his authority, his power. You can use his name and everything that he has is his. Everything. You can't, you can't take anything because he's given you. You can't. because you, you thought what I gave you a few years ago was something. Now I'm just going to give you the ring. You don't even have to ask me anymore. You just... You could ask back there. Here, you have the authority. Just, just speak it. Well, I could go a whole nother world. And then put sandals... Sandals gives him the authority to walk through the kingdom, to soon crush Satan. It's really this bring me the gifts of the Spirit. Bring me the gifts of the powers of the kingdom of God. The Father is a Father that runs towards you and then restores to you the gifts of his kingdom. You're not going to be a servant. I got enough servants, I'm going to restore sons. This is Jesus saying, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Let me tell you how the Father really is. And he tells this story. Are you listening? Can you see it? Hmm. For all of you Bible scholars out there, then he said, bring me the sacrifice. Just FYI. I don't have time but fyi then he killed the calf the calf was killed to celebrate i know i know you're you're going the calf was killed the son died to show you the victory god is not demanding that his son die and demand that that would make him evil he will never be evil. He can redeem you with his nose. He kills himself, lays his life down so that you know he does. It's totally different. If you've seen me, blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven. Forgiven, why? Because the father was looking. The father was running. You see, we, we are an Eastern people. I'm trying to... What kind of time? We're Easter people. We're supposed to look at the cross and see God. We're supposed to. And so Paul says, I boast in nothing but the cross. I refuse to boast in my doctrine. I refuse to boast in my ideas, though I have some. But I will boast in Jesus. My, My theology is Jesus. If it doesn't line up with who Jesus is, I have to reread what I read. When I read the book and it doesn't match who Jesus is, I have to go back and reread the book with another lens. Because if I'm reading the book and it doesn't match who Jesus is, then my lens has to be changed by the cross. Because God will never be anything other than God. And so, when you read over here, you got to come back. You got to get the right. You got to look through the lens of the cross. Greater love had no man than this, that he lay down his life for a friend. John 15, 13. 1 John three sixteen. This is how you know he loves you, that he laid down his life for you. Philippians 2. He emptied himself. He poured himself out. He hung on the cross. He didn't become less than God, but out of God... He poured out. He became weak. He could have called angels to have destroyed his enemy. But instead of doing that, he sacrificed. He gave his own life. And Paul says his weakness is his strength. His his reserving, his reservation to kill and to annihilate. See, God doesn't overcome the principalities and the powers of this world with his power. He overcomes it with his weakness and his grace and his mercy. He triumphs by love, not by imperial power. He could have destroyed everyone with a blow of his nose, but he did Are you listening to me? His judgment is mercy. His judgment is grace. His judgment is I forgive you. So no wonder blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the people who empty themselves of themselves. Blessed are the people who choose to turn the other cheek. Blessed are the people that when they revile, they revile not against them. Blessed are the people who love their enemies. Blessed are the people who take up their cross and sacrifice instead of fight. Are you listening to me? The cross is not just a revelation of who he is, it's a revelation of how he lives. He's still living, forgiving, loving. That's what you and I are supposed to be doing, not being captivated by the way the world works. Not, listen, an eye for an eye, everybody's blind. And so when I look at the cross, I see Jesus. I see the Father. I see this mercy that's just almost unexplainable. And I I begin to realize that when I say the cross, it's a short term for the person of Jesus who was crucified. I have to be fit with a pair of glasses that sees through the cross. We need to look through the cross, not at it. There's too many people looking at it, and not through it, not from it. Because until you look from it, until you have that opportunity to pour out your own life for somebody else, for each other, as long as you're trying to protect yourself and get yourself, am I making any sense? I have to be fit with these glasses and these this laying down what 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 if that meekness is his power what what if what if his grace really is sufficient what 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 if the cross was enough to forgive the worst of the broken what if we could just look through what if god is like jesus what if he really is grace and mercy what if he's immutable meaning he never changes and what if it's everlasting What if that's true? What what, what if when we see the cross, we recognize the Father? See, I've come to the conclusion that God is like Jesus. That Jesus is the messenger of God. That Jesus is what God has to say. That Jesus is the full and faithful witness of how God is to be understood. That Jesus didn't come to save us from God, but to lead us to God. That Jesus didn't come to reveal me so much as a sinner, but him as a savior. That Jesus didn't come to enable God to love me, but to enable me to love God. God Jesus didn't come to change God's thinking about me. Jesus came to change my thinking about God. Jesus came to reconcile the world to him. Jesus is the very definition of God, and the defining moment of God is the cross. God is good. He is never evil. He is the perfection of goodness. God is love, and anything else is a distortion thereof. God is light, and in him there is no darkness. Do you see him? That's who he is. He doesn't have it, he is it. And if we look at the cross and we return to the story, and now that Jesus has been on the cross, we remember the story. And we see the Father running. Do you see him? Here's the question Who's the prodigal son? Who's the son that emptied himself of his glory? Who's the son that went to the far country? Who's the son that came into the mire and the pig pens of Gentiles and foreigners? Who's the son that took on the weakness and the brokenness and the outcast, the disregard? Who's, where did the son go? He came into your rebellion. He came into your pain. He came, the son left the father and came to you. You didn't come to your senses. He woke you up. He said, follow me. Let's go home. He came into your suffering and your pain and you. He, he didn't, see the son doesn't wait at home. The son comes from home. And you see the son coming to you, waking you up this morning and say, the Father is better than you thought. The father's not what religion told you. The father loved you in the beginning and let you have your own way. But he never gave up on your return. The father gave you your own way. But now I've come And if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. The Father's keeping the home fire burning, but he sent me to... And he wakes us up. Love always comes to wake us up. Do you see it? And the Son says, come follow me. For I go to my Father. He's my Father and your Father. He's our Father. Let's go home. And now we trust to get up and not be afraid of the judgment of the father because we're not listening to the rhetoric of misguided theologians I have nothing to fear of the father because the son has taken me home to a father that's got a robe waiting on me and now I see the son returning with many sons and I see the father running towards the son and I see the son going to the father and the father going to the son and I see it on the cross and God is bringing me this way and he's coming to me this way The Son is returning and the Father is running. Bring me. And the Holy Spirit is bringing. Restoring. Oh, you're not... All of a sudden now I see God on the cross and He's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is bringing me a robe. And the Holy Spirit is bringing me a ring. And the Holy Spirit is bringing me the ability to walk in the righteousness of God. And suddenly the Father and the Son and the gifts of the Spirit, the power of the kingdom, and they're on the cross and I see this Trinitarian God who can never stop loving the Son. And never stop loving the Father. And the Holy Spirit conveys that to us. And I look through the cross. And I see that God is three in one. He loves himself. And he brings you into that Are you listening to me? You have to see the cross. And then you have to read the story again. And you have to see that this one's bringing me home. This one's coming. And this one's restoring. And all I have to do. Is repent and receive. If you'll repent, you'll receive. And repent isn't, oh my God, I'm sorry for eating bacon. (laughs) No, no, no. It isn't, that's cheap. I'm sorry for smoking and drinking. No! I'm sorry that I didn't know you. I'm sorry that I didn't see you as you really are. I'm sorry that I made up an idea about who you are. I'm sorry that I let my own religion mess up who you really are. I could never have imagined you being this good. I could never imagine you being this kind. I repent because I made God after my image. That's what religion does. That's what, that's what most of the church in the world is doing, is they're making God up in their own thoughts and in their own image. And can I tell you, God's not like you. He made you like him. And to repent is to go, oh, my God. You're more than I thought. Your judgment is Mercy. And kindness. And can I tell you, it's not going to change next Tuesday. And it's not going to change in a thousand years. He's always going to be God. His judgment is mercy. Do you know, hell is when you refuse mercy. Hell is when you refuse love. That's hell. Do you see it? Every time I see the crucifixion, I know. My Protestant friends go, he's not on the cross. I know, but he was. He's not in the tomb either. But he was. And when I, when, I, when I see a crucifixion, I see the Trinity. I see the Son returning and the Father running and the Holy Spirit descending. I see it. And it changes me. It changes the way I treat you. Changes the way I. And I, as He laid down His life, you too laid down your life for one another. Listen, the world is never going to come to the feet of the cross unless we're willing to live a life that has been crossed by the message of the gospel, the real message. I'll, I'll say it again. Years ago, when I begin to catch this, and others have too, through through about the last twenty years, music has changed. About twenty years ago, you begin to hear people singing about the Father's heart. We're going to sing it in a minute, a good, good Father, and and stuff. I begin to see and hear. I begin to hear poets and songwriters write because they always poets always hear it before preachers catch it. And now we sing it, because it's coming, and God's lifting the darkness of religion, letting us sing the clarity of Christ. You know I'm right. I, I know it, I know the dragons of your mind are screaming, but you know I'm right." And the older son stays outside, and he's angry. At the grace of the father. He's angry. At the mercy. Of the father. And the father steps outside. Leaves the party. And says oh son. You've had the wrong. Have you ever had anybody stay in your bedroom. But not really be there. Set at your table. But never were present. Because they had the wrong. Mentality. Of who you are. You see I promise you today. You're one of the two sons. You're one that needs to return with Jesus. Or you're one that has been angry at the grace of God. Either way. You need to step back in the house. Either way. And I'm not sure which one. Is more difficult to reach. I'm not sure. I'm not real sure which one has the harder choice. But can I tell you something this morning? Break through the veil of religion. It's not a tragedy to rethink everything you've ever thought. It's not a tragedy to let Jesus change your mind. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You've seen me. (laughs) If you're in this room this morning and you've resisted saying yes, you've resisted because what you've heard is hard to believe and hard to trust because you're afraid God's going to... And the Father's not going to do that. He's going to put a rope on you. He's going to restore you. There's some of you that are afraid of the gifts of the Spirit because you think they're weird. And some of us have been weird. But listen, the gifts of the Spirit come to clothe you, to give you a ring, to put shoes on your feet, to give the kingdom to you. Just because the church has been silly in its gospel preaching and silly in its gifts and its demonstration Forgive us. Forgive us. Forgive us, but don't let us stop you from coming back into the embrace of the Father. I'm pleading with you as we approach Easter. Get the real, get the religionless Christianity. may the words in my mouth and the meditation of my heart bring peace and freedom, bring life and liberty. Lord, when Peter and Paul preached, it freed people in the hearing of the word. I'm praying that just in the hearing of this word, they get up and start returning home. Or they step back into the celebration. That's the gospel. If it's that good, I think he heals you too. Kids have given up on me. Sorry. You love the Lord right there in your heart, you can stand, you can say, what do I do now? Well, repent, change your mind, and receive the Holy Spirit, every one of you. For the gift is for you, and to your children, and to all who are afar, far off.
0: Just stand with me, sir. Thank you for listening to this week's message from the Father's House. We hope you stay connected by following us online at fathershouse.net. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by using at TFH Hutch.